Welcome to the show, friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, broadcasting to to you today, as always, from the sunny climes of western Japan, where it is indeed, I am happy to report, a very bright and sunshiny day. So let's uh, let's get straight into tonight's guest. We have an interesting conversation lined up for you this evening, along the lines of something that, in fact, we were looking at six months ago here on this very radio broadcast when we first talked to tonight's guest, Charles Ocelli, a.k.a. the Blind JFK Researcher. And, uh, and w- at the time, we were talking about the Oswald case, which I continue to find one of the most fascinating aspects, not only of the JFK research community, but I think of... of spycraft in general, because I think so many different issues are raised by the the uh, the Lee Harvey Oswald myth and the fantasies that have been spun around Lee Harvey Oswald and who he really was and what the story they're asking us to believe about him was and all of these various pieces of the puzzle. Very fascinating. So it's been several months since we've talked to Mr. Ocelli. Lots of new developments and new research to talk about. So let's see if he's on the line. Charles, are you there tonight? Yes, sir. How are you tonight? I'm doing excellent. So thank you so much for your time. It's great to have you here. And it has been six months since you were on this broadcast before. So let's refresh people's memories and talk a little bit about yourself and where people can find you. Oh, sure. Uh, I uh, Currently, I'm doing the YouTube channel, uh, which is called uh, the Blind JFK Researcher channel. Uh, you can find that at YouTube uh, slash Blind JFK. And uh, it features lots of historical videos as well as uh, commentary by myself. And uh, even the uh, last appearance that I did with you uh, was put in there in video form uh, in a way. And uh, a few other things uh, that I found interesting connected to the case. Uh, That's right. I was noticing that and some of the other videos that you have. And I noticed that you also uh, take the time to respond to people's questions. If they leave a, a comment with a question in it, you'll actually make a video addressing their question. Yes, generally I will uh, respond with a video if they've asked uh, something that, uh, you know, warrants more than, you know, a simple, uh, you know, few words response. Um, sometimes it leads me into uh, new directions, which uh, which I appreciate, actually. So I've sort of made it interactive um, in, in a way to, uh, you know, to make it a little more, a little more uh, interesting than just, you know, simply picking up a book or, you know, reading an article. You know, you can actually participate in the way that uh, these things are being built. And, uh, you know, eventually the database will be a, a, quite a mosaic, I think, of uh, what people are really interested in about the case. And, um, you know, some of those looming questions that have uh, been around for nearly 50 years now, Jim. Yes, it's hard to believe it's been almost 50 years since that fateful day. And, uh, and so much research has gone on. And there are so many different I guess, branches or fields of JFK research. I mean, it's become a, a kind of profession in itself almost. Talk about some of the, the different aspects of the JFK case that you've looked into specifically and what you find fascinating. Well, I found a, a great many things uh, fascinating. Uh, the medical uh, evidence um, where you're trying to decipher the uh, forensic case uh, surrounding Dealey Plaza itself and uh, all of the uh, events that grew from that. You'll find um, various, uh, you know, ballistics uh, is another area that some people specialize in, and and that's an interesting thing. Uh, Some people specialize in particular areas. Uh, They may particularly focus on films or on photographic evidence, which, uh, oddly enough, this is one of the most photographed murders you'll ever find in history. 
uh, you know, there were various films taken in Dealey Plaza. There's uh, various controversies about uh, still photographs and films that existed before and during. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it's a vast, vast subject. It, it certainly is, legal. and it certainly occupied people for five decades now, or going on for five decades. So on that note, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Charles Ocelli, a.k.a. the blind JFK researcher. So don't touch that dial. Welcome back. Tonight, once again, we are talking to Charles Ocelli, a.k.a. the Blind JFK Researcher. You can see his uh, work at youtube.com slash blindjfk, all one word. And the link to that will be in the show notes for tonight's episode at corporatereport.com slash radio. And tonight, I understand that we're going to be picking up from the conversation that we started six months ago on the anniversary of the JFK assassination back on November 22nd of 2011, when we were talking about In Search of Lee Harvey Oswald and really questing after who was Oswald and what can we reliably put together from the documentary record that exists and what can we question about what we've been told about that documentary record. So a fascinating and extremely uh, fruitful area of research, but of course, as always, lots of areas of disinformation and misinformation and blind alleys as well, uh, forgive the pun, that we have to watch out for. So... Tonight, as our guide, we have the blind JFK researcher as our, as our guide for that quest. Um, the blind leading the blind, but in different <laughs> ways. Uh, so it's, it's great to have you here again, Chuck. So let's start going through this. And, uh, and I don't know where you'd like to really pick up from this, but perhaps we can, we can pick up from where we left off in our last conversation. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's pick up from the show itself. Um, first of all, as I told you uh, before I uh, went on, I said that I wasn't... Precisely, I, I would not call myself uh, an Oswald expert per se. There are people who do nothing but study the life of Lee Harvey Oswald, and they've spent decades doing so. Now, I've spent some time doing that, but in all honesty, I never felt it uh, extremely necessary because I was interested in the truth of the assassination and the events that stemmed from it, the the things that came from it afterwards, uh, how we were led into Vietnam and uh, would not have been had those shots not been fired in Dealey Plaza, etc., etc. Well, and I also felt that Oswald, for the most part, uh, was not, you know, the guilty party here, okay? Uh, so I really never thought that it was an area that I wanted to delve into extremely deeply. Uh, as I told you, I was somewhat knowledgeable on it, and, well... What happened after I did your show was, as I said, it, it, it is an interactive channel that I have there on YouTube, and I've done some articles and things, uh, you know, uh, which uh, I was doing previous and also uh, did afterwards uh, here and there. But the, the thing is that uh, this started a trend of people questioning me about Oswald because they had heard the show, and, of course, I had put it up on my channel, as I said, and... Now people wanted to know more and more about uh, about Lee. And uh, I'd also written a, a review of a book, uh, which I thought was an excellent, uh, an excellent piece of uh, historical information. It was written by a 
one of uh, Oswald's friends while he was in Russia, which uh, specifically he was in Belarus, actually, in uh, in the town of Minsk, kind of far removed from the uh, the more uh, media-centered uh, area of, of uh, the Soviet Union at the time. But either way, uh, his friend Eric Titovitz had written a book called uh, Russian Episode, and I had mentioned him on the last program. Uh, so he contacted me, and his publisher contacted me, and uh, we exchanged some emails, and I started to get, well, a little more curious. Uh, the next thing that I knew, I was starting to be questioned about things, and as I've told you, I, I, I will go and do research, fresh research even, things that I have not considered before, uh, you know, take a look at, uh, say, the ballistics evidence if I had not examined it before, which I have, unfortunately. Um, you know, and then you start looking at uh, all different things that people are asking about. Well, this caused me to start to delve into Oswald's background. And uh, even some of the questions that you were interested in, uh, for instance, uh, you found it very fascinating in, uh, in Crossfire how, uh, how he had the document in there about uh, him contracting a venereal disease in the line of duty while in the military, okay, which is a fairly curious record to say the least, right? Well, this coupled with uh, something else that I did not exactly uh, disclose uh, at the beginning of, uh, of our discussion last time when you had asked me how I'd become interested in it in the first place. Uh, you know, the fact was that uh, when I was graduating high school, I had uh, gone on to, uh, to be a musician, as I'd said to you, and I'd started to travel around and sort of stumbled through just sort of being curious about people throughout the country. Well... That led me to look into it after reading, you know, after reading different books, I would contact people directly and just try to have conversations with people that were of significance to the case. Well, not only this, but around that time I had sought to uh, to get some assistance going to school for myself. Uh, the whole blind JFK thing, I am also uh, visually impaired to some degree, and my father had uh, served in, uh, in the Army and uh, was a veteran of Vietnam. Now, he died under rather curious circumstances. In fact, uh, I would use the term suicided, but that is a whole other discussion. In 1976, okay, I was four years old. Now, uh, moving forward, when I sought to have some sort of uh, assistance, possibly as a child of a veteran, especially a disabled child of a veteran of a foreign war, I was told that, you know, that uh, I could have some sort of assistance. Well, when I went to inquire about this, I was told that there was no military file uh, for my father. And this was the first experience I had had with my government uh, basically, basically uh, absconding with something that should be a common record. Uh, my father's military record is non-existent. So this is a personal issue, obviously. But like I said, this was the first experience I'd had with, you know, look, I, I had had photographs of the man there. His entire family knew he was there. There were letters sent from that country to this country, pretty strange, and a lot of other odd circumstances surrounding his military service. But uh, according to the United States government, it never occurred. So this immediately caused me to be, say, you know, to, to hold what some of the government claims to have in its records 
or not in its records as suspect. So I'd always felt that uh, that it would be a, a serious black hole to uh, to really delve into Oswald's official records uh, based on that personal experience, uh, which I kind of capsulized there. There's more to it, but either way, uh, this, in addition to the fact that there are these contradictory and strange elements that are known uh, in Oswald's uh, military records, just just the military records, mind you, uh, not to mention his school records and everything else, uh, I just thought it was one of those things that wasn't worth examining. But, as I said, uh, you and uh, and your show and the, and the aftermath of it uh, convinced me otherwise. So I started to dig. And, and I started I'm glad to, you did, but but let's just back up for a second. First of sure. all, let me say uh, I'm I'm sorry to hear about your father and that story, but it is interesting how so many people do have a, a personal issue that does that does drag them into this type of research in in many different ways, and that's a particularly tragic one. But I think uh, interesting and will probably resonate with some of the listeners out there. But uh, but on the note, you you do talk about how initially your disinterest in the Lee Harvey Oswald story was more about trying to get to the root of who really did assassinate JFK. And obviously, if Lee Harvey Oswald didn't, then that's not really a good route. And I, I do understand that, and I do sympathize with that viewpoint. Um, I suppose looking at Lee Harvey Oswald as more like a, a prosecutor or defendant, I suppose, in a, in a criminal case would, if we can prove, if we can establish that the person that they say acted alone did not act alone um, beyond reasonable doubt, and that there are all sorts of things about this story that do not add up, and that in itself is enough to show that the entire thing is a scam, which I know is just uh, self-evident to a lot of people out there and anyone who's really devoted themselves to JFK research. But I, I still think there's some value to that. And I also think personally, I just think that the uh, the, the, the Oswald story and the different spy case-like uh, attributes of that story are particularly interesting. But that's where I'm coming from. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's an interesting window into the way that uh, that our entire intelligence community conducted business and still conducts business to this day. Uh, let's be honest. You know, the, if you think that records were being fudged then, you know, you, you don't think that uh, a delete key is easier to uh, to hit than, you know, than the black markers that they were using to redact things. Uh, you know... <laughs> The, the point the point that I was making is that, you know, yeah, I did believe that for the longest time, and therefore it wasn't one of my focuses, but I would say that uh, it ends up being quite an interesting journey because, uh, you know, why would you go through so much, so much trouble to, uh, to prop this young man up? Uh, you know, because as we discussed, he was 24 years of age only when he died. He had already uh, so supposedly defected to Russia, which... I have uh, at this point determined was not was not the most honest uh, defection, let's just say. Uh, but a lot of people have, have figured that one out. But when you begin to examine just his record, see that's the thing. I started just examining the record and sort of putting out feelers to ask individuals why things looked the way they did. I mean, just simply opening up his 201 file. Which uh, is, you know, is is at this point uh, supposedly declassified. But what is remarkable about the 201 file is not necessarily what's in it, but what is not in it. And just for listeners to understand, a 201 file is uh, is basically a personnel file which is held by uh, the Central Intelligence Agency, or at least 
this was the system of file keeping at one time. <clears throat> I uh, I contend that the that the uh, the real system at this point is much different. But uh, but at any rate, the 201 files were for persons of interest and personnel who might have been assets or employees. But they were not necessarily all employees. They may have just simply been persons of interest to right. the Central Intelligence. Right. Well, on that note, let's hold that thought right there. We're coming up against a break. So let's take a short break, but we'll be right back talking about Lee Harvey Oswald's 201 file right after this. Here we are on Corbett Report Radio this evening, talking to Charles Ocelli, a.k.a. the Blind JFK Researcher. Once again, you can find him at youtube.com slash blindjfk, or just type blindjfk into a search engine, and I'm sure you'll find his YouTube channel and some of the other work that he's done. And on that note, before the break, we were talking about Lee Harvey Oswald's 201 file and what can or cannot be found within it. And uh, just for clarification, the U- the U.S. military also uses the term 201 file to discuss the uh, the set of documents that contain the uh, the description of someone's military history. But this is not the 201 that we're referring to here, is it? Oh no, uh, it, it's a similar type of concept. Um, but the the files that I'm talking about are for use within within the CIA. And like I said, they're, they're just generally for persons of interest. And again, it, you don't have to be an employee of the CIA to have a 201 file. Um, even certain uh, uh, media and in, individuals in the media who are considered persons of interest who may be touching on subjects. Like, for instance, James, in all honesty, you could possibly have a 201 file. <laughs> okay? Because. Wouldn't be uh, surprised. Yeah, well, you know, just like I know <clears throat> for a fact that I have an interesting FBI file. You know, it's because that when you make public statements that are, uh, you know, regarded as somewhat inflammatory uh, or uh, somewhat uh, provocative uh, where it regards the intelligence community, which you have made on many occasions, (laughs) you uh, tend to get their attention sometimes and uh, become a person of interest, let's just say. Well, anyhow, back to uh, Mr. Oswald here. You know, when when you begin to examine his file, as I said, uh, the first thing is on the first page of the file, which I find interesting, because uh, often there's the mistake uh, made in other documents and cables, uh, like, for instance, from Mexico City, where uh, they, they say that his name is Lee Henry Oswald. Um, <clears throat> that mistake is noted on the opening page of his 201 file. Now, for someone who generally would just grab that file and flip open the first page and just use it as a point of reference, that mistake is notable right there. Okay, it's not really, it doesn't occur in a lot of other places, but begins to occur in other parts of the official record, I think because uh, people were being lazy and not reading very far into the file. Uh, you know, interesting little things happen like that. But um, things that I started to observe, and, and like I said, I had to reach out for assistance uh, and I re- reached out to, uh, to individuals that I knew that uh, had been involved uh, in naval intelligence at one point uh, and uh, with the NSA uh, via the military, specifically the Navy, <clears throat> so that I might better understand what was going on. 
And uh, the first thing was I had to be told that, you know, you had to develop a key to understand these uh, these interesting little uh, CIA record and routing sheets. Now, the record and routing sheets, which are on top of just about any document that uh, that is meant to be circulated, uh, you know, inter, inter-agency, you know, within the agency, uh, is supposed to be signed off on when someone takes it, handles it, sort of like uh, checking out a library book, okay? Well, often... These things are signed out uh, under aliases. Uh, there are uh, programs and uh, divisions that are noted <laughs> on the forms which are not necessarily uh, uh, even existent, okay? <laughs> so you, you, you enjoy yourself trying to sort out all that. So first you have to develop a key to, to begin to decipher this entire thing. Uh, but anyway, the, the interesting parts of this uh, started to come to me when like I said, when I started to reach out to uh, to individuals who had been in the military, and they sort of uh, ended up discussing with uh, with retired guys uh, for me what I was looking at, and I ended up uh, talking to at least one man who absolutely claims that he served with Oswald at one point, uh, had dealt with him in California, and he's somebody whose name doesn't appear in the record uh, that I've seen. I mean, uh, it, it's, you know, he's not somebody who's been interviewed before. And he wound up leading me to others. Um, in addition, there was others uh, connected to the Russian story and uh, and things that I started to learn there um, that have not been publicized very much either. And when you begin to understand that most of what has been uh, put out there, including uh, beginning with the Warren Report itself, when they started uh, discussing this supposed trip to Mexico City. There are tons and tons of holes in that entire story, not the least of which is the following thing, which uh, I'm going to sort of run through quickly, and, and I can tell you exactly how you can learn about this, but you'd have to look at something called the Lopez Report, which was part of the HSCA, uh, which is now enti- almost entirely de- uh, declassified. However, uh, parts of that are missing, apparently, because there are appendixes referred to in there that are simply non-existent. Uh, I again point to the fact that they're just simply non-existent files. <laughs> uh, so whenever they tell you that, uh, you know, the government doesn't destroy or doesn't remove or doesn't just completely vaporize things, I'm here to tell you they do. But either way, you can get an idea of what was going on. Anyway, in Mexico City, he supposedly visited the Soviet and the uh, and the Cuban uh, embassy slash uh, consulates. Now, these are two separate things, but they were both contained on compounds uh, together. That's right, and there's uh, some dispute over exactly what happened there. So let's get to the bottom of that, and once again, we're up against a break. So we'll take some a short break for some messages, but we'll be right back right after this with Charles Ocelli, a.k.a. the blind JFK researcher. Goes away in the You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Welcome back, friends. 
Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Tonight we are talking to the blind JFK researcher Charles Ocelli at youtube.com slash blindjfk. And we're talking about the interesting discrepancies and notes and, uh, and interesting parts of the Lee Harvey Oswald tale. We're just getting into one of the very, very juicy, uh, I suppose, uh, alleys or corridors of research when we start looking at Lee Harvey Oswald, which is his alleged trip to Mexico City in the fall of 1963 to visit the uh, the Soviet embassy. And uh, it's, as I understand it, in the JFK community, a point of contention whether he went at all or did not go or what, in fact, we can say about that trip. So, Charles, let's let's start getting into the uh, the fall 1963 trip to Mexico. Ah, precisely. So that's that. That is absolutely true. In the community, it is a point of contention. I actually fall in the camp that states that uh, he wasn't there. <laughs> okay, and here's the problem: uh, when the CIA positions photographic units, okay, um, to to surveil an area, okay, one of them is automated and is there to capture. Any sort of a uh, disturbance in the light, um, the exact terminology was an old sort of thing, but basically it's like if something blocks out a significant amount of light in the area, it's supposed to snap a picture, okay? And then there's another manned post, which is uh, on a second-floor apartment, which is across the street from the entrance of the building. Well, you know, you would assume that, uh, that it's going to capture a photograph. Well, of course, to this day, the CIA has never produced a single photograph when Oswald would have had at least ten opportunities to be photographed, either entering or exiting each of the embassy-slash-consulate areas. Uh, no photograph at all has been produced. There, there's the mystery man photograph, which it turns out was a KGB officer named Yuri, and uh, there was actually a minimum of 13 photographs of this man, even though two have been generally circulated. Um, at least there's 13 in my collection. There may be more. Uh, but the fact is that, uh, and some of them were even taken after Oswald had supposedly left, uh, which is pretty interesting because uh, another funny thing is, you know, he's he's returning library books in New Orleans on the same day that he's supposed to be returning to Dallas. But, okay. That that's a funny aside there, but but the fact is that uh, <clears throat> that when you when you begin to examine this kind of stuff and you start to watch the the cable traffic that went on between the Mexico City uh, station of the CIA to headquarters, uh, they give the wrong descriptions. They give all kinds of strange things back and forth, and an alert which was up on Oswald when he had made his so-called defection to uh, to Russia was not even uh, brazed by this entire incident because uh, because it wasn't accurately reported. And meanwhile, when you read the, the accounts of the station chief, uh, uh, Winston Scott, who, who, by the way, signed a lot of the Oswald documents under an alias when he was handling them, um, he uh, admitted in his own memoir even that, uh, that he was aware fully of the entire activities supposedly that Oswald had taken there. But anyway... All of these strange discrepancies aside in the files, what what this started to do when I started to uh, inquire with certain individuals about uh, about these things, and uh, and 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 sort of reach out uh, for bits and pieces of the KGB file, which um, I had to have someone translate, which brought up another sort of issue about Oswald's uh, inability to uh, 
to have fully digested the Russian language, which uh, that that was the KGB's opinion anyway, that he would not uh, be fluent in Russian ever, uh, because uh, they had given him a tutor, believe it or not, while he was in Russia to try and improve his Russian, and uh, they they had a great deal of difficulty doing that. But that that's according to the KGB file, mind you. I don't want to start an argument with that one, but. Uh, <laughs> But the point is that it started getting uh, getting sort of this little whirlpool swirling for me, and and I got to say again, you know, thanks again, James, because it was really your interest in the subject that caused me to fall into this little rabbit hole. <laughs> well, and, I do uh, what I can. And listen, and I do appreciate it. It's like, uh, in, in a way, I think uh, you know, you and I need to have a beer one day if we meet face to face, and in another way, I think, oh, you punch in the arm. <laughs> because, I'll take credit and or blame as it's worthy. Why not accept both, sir? Uh, at any rate, uh, it, it definitely uh, caused some interesting things to happen. And uh, at this point now I have uh, obtained some odd information uh, from some people who, who have some proof that they had actually run across them. Um, the, uh, the the entire incident uh, in Mexico City where, where I postulate my entire argument as to why uh you know that there was no proof of oswald having been there etc cetera, etc cetera. um i actually wrote it up for uh for the uh one of the only two journals that exists on the uh, on the case at this point uh, the jfk deep politics quarterly which uh which is going to run it i think in july or something like this uh walt brown does that he's writing the master chronology on the entire thing and you know, if you want to talk about a rabbit hole, I mean, that thing's, uh, I think, well beyond 20,000 pages now. Of uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, and, and this is, you know, this has been his work uh, since the mid-'90s, and uh, fascinating guy. Like I said, Deep Politics Quarter, that's Walt Brown. You may have seen him on uh, some of the, uh, the Men Who Killed Kennedy segments. Uh, anyway, and that whole thing about the, uh, the library books, I'll tell you, that was a funny thing that I just stumbled across because... Uh, while doing the Oswald research, you come across some odd little things like uh, Oswald and JFK had both uh, read uh, the book from Russia with Love, <laughs> which uh, which I found kind of curious. And we only know this because Kennedy had submitted a uh, a list of books that he liked for like National Library Week or something like this, and mm. the FBI decided to uh, produce it in the Warren Commission report about uh, the books that he had decided to check out Oswald anyway. And uh, that was one of the uh, things that cross-references from Russia with love. <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, but, but, but anyhow... I had my complete attention in terms of the people that you've talked to who who were alleged to or proven to have served with, with Oswald. I mean, that sounds extremely interesting. Well, you know, the, the, the gentlemen that, that I'd run across who, who, were, uh, who were Navy guys, okay, first off, it, it, it took uh, getting a hold of somebody's dad instead of talking to the son... Uh, because, you know, if you think about it at this point, I mean, Oswald was 24 years old in 1963, so what would the ages of the men be that had served with him? Well, they'd be about, you know, 80 now, some of them. Uh, so the the bottom line is that, uh, you know, it sort of took a, uh, a sort of a, a nudge and a, uh, and a convincing to connect with somebody else just to have them give me some understanding and lead me on the right path. Now, Running across uh, one guy who didn't want his name out there because at one point he had allowed it to be out there and he was harassed in the late 60s. And then he sort of fell off the radar for researchers, etc., etc. But what he did connect me with was uh, 
was an interesting uh, little thing that I'm trying to verify right now, which is, you know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of connections to individuals that he had run across while he was in the, uh, I think it's uh, the, the area is known as the South China Sea, and also the time that he spent in uh, in Japan at Atsugi, and there are some interesting things that are now coming coming to me, but I just have, have had a little difficulty verifying, and I don't want to uh, go out on a limb just yet. But let's just say that there are serious indications that not only, you know, the connection to the U-2 thing, I think, is, is, is quite a red herring because uh, the, the Russian individuals that I talked to uh, explained to me that he was quite shocked to learn about it while he was at work in the radio factory. And he was more worried that he, he as an Oswald? American, Oswald, yes, I'm sorry, that Oswald was more worried as an American that, you know, that anti-American sentiment would kind of rise up around him and that he might have problems because he was at that point having uh, trouble adjusting. Uh, I believe it, it also coincides with uh, being turned down by the first Russian woman he asked to marry him, which wasn't Marina, by the way. Um but but anyway, he uh, her, her name was Ella German, by the way. Uh, but but he was starting to uh, sort of feel a bit uh, a bit out of place over there, and uh, was more worried, like I say, about the anti-American sentiment coming up because you know this was sort of a a point of pride. I mean, it was much uh, much more than than the situation that he was going through when uh, you know when the whole Sputnik situation occurred, and. Uh, you know, like I said, it was like, I don't believe that he had any connection to that. Because as a radar operator, my understanding is, and this is yet another thing that's starting to develop, is that he would know about what the altitude was. Uh, he would know, you know, the general way in which these things are handled. But the way that that plane in particular was knocked down, uh, nothing that he could have contributed would have actually assisted them in the, in the sort of freak situation that occurred there. And I invite anybody, because you, you recently did a, a show on, uh, on uh, Fletcher uh, Prouty on your, uh, on your uh, podcast there, uh, or actually, I should say it was in your update, the, uh, the Fletcher Prouty thing there. That's right. It was uh, my last podcast episode, episode 229, available from CorbettReport.com, and he does have some things to say about the U-2 flight that went down. He certainly does, and I think that anybody who wants to learn about that should really listen to Fletcher. There's nothing I can do justice to that situation that uh, that uh, Colonel Prouty <clears throat> so eloquent so eloquently explained, uh, you know, in his various interviews and also in the uh, two books that he wrote about this, uh, about you know the JFK, the secret team, and uh, and also uh, JFK Vietnam, and the entire title escapes me. But if you look for for Colonel Prouty under JFK Vietnam and, and also the secret team, you can find it. Um, so the thing is this, the whole understanding that he was involved in that, I, I, don't, I don't go with it, and a lot of people have, have really been, uh, been rough on me for it. But the thing is, I think that there was a much deeper cause. I think that he was part of the... Uh, the sort of the dangle program, as I sort of explained to you before, and there's actually more and more proof starting to come to light about that. Now, I'm hoping to 
finally discussed with these people that have come from Japan some years ago that ran across our good friend Mr. Oswald during his time there. Um, I'm hoping to verify some of the things that they've told me. Uh, you know, that's why I don't want to, uh, you know, throw it out there because I really do hate being, uh, uh, you know, giving out the wrong information. Of course, and we all, all have to be careful about that, so my, my hat's off to you for, for vetting your information first. But, of course, once you do vet that information and are able to confirm some details, of course, you'll be, uh, more, than, we'll be more than happy to have you back here to talk about that. Oh, yeah, and I, I know that it'll be uh, of great interest to you. Uh, uh, you know, personally, actually, how you're not uh, all that far from... Uh, <laughs> From, uh, I suppose not. Atsugi, no, huh? In the big scheme of things, pretty close. You know, that's more in your neck of the woods. In reality, uh, I'm a lot closer to uh, physically uh, where uh, you know the Hindenburg went down, the, the Lakehurst Naval Base area. <laughs> right. Uh, which well, was well let's let's back up for a moment because you you earlier on mentioned something that I must admit in my uh, layman's approach to this issue I didn't even know, which was that Oswald had asked another Russian l- woman to marry him before Marina, which I found very interesting. Perhaps you can tell us more about that. Oh, sure. Uh, well, the thing is that um, everybody knows that. Uh, well, anybody who's you know looked into this story deeply knows that uh, people remark often about how. Marina and Oswald and, and Lee had met uh, and and really not been dating very long. I think it was like something like six weeks, depending on the accounts. And they did marry rather quickly, and they had the baby not long after. I mean, consider it. He was only there for three years, and he had enough time to have a child, get married, and uh, do a great many other things, right? Well, uh, in a more interesting way, um, one thing I think everybody needs to take into account with that, by the way, is that uh, I'm starting to understand that the KGB was very much involved in not only monitoring but positioning people in Oswald's life during the entire time he was there. Now, supposedly, according to uh, what's sitting in the archives that's accessible in Belarus in the KGB archives there, uh, they were kind of uh, stunned at the Marina marriage. However, they were well aware of this other woman that he had been courting for at least seven months and uh, and had uh, sort of worked up his courage to ask to marry him on, jeez, uh, I think it was ninth, it was New Year's, now here's where I get a little confused, because it was New Year's Day that he decided to ask her, and therefore the year slips me a little bit, because uh, it's either 1960... I believe it's New Year's of, uh, uh, no, it's not New Year's of 60, it's got to be New Year's of 61. Like, in other words, uh, January 1st, 61, I think he asks her. Uh, well, either way, the point is that he waits till New Year's, Eve, New Year's Day and sort of works up his courage. Actually, gets drunk with her the night before and uh, and takes his time to try and figure that one out. And he asks her, and uh, she pretty much laughed at him. <laughs> You know, and um, let's see. It must have been 1961 because he met Marina in March of 1961. Yeah, that's correct, and that—that's exactly what happened too. It was on the rebound of that. Yeah, that's that's where we're at here. And I was just trying to confirm that. Right, it was 61 because it was uh, it was uh, December 31st of uh, 60 where 
where he was having the uh, the party. That that's where he'd gotten drunk. Is at the party on the yeah. Okay, thank you. Sorry about that, James. But anyway, this Ella German had sort of explained to him that, uh, and and the KGB had taps uh, around every single thing, and they used to interrogate anybody who was his friend that wasn't an agent, and uh, insisted on all information uh, about Oswald coming to them. Uh, but but they knew the entire conversation verbatim, where she explains to him that, well, you know what it is, you're uh, you're an American, and that makes you different, but. You know, do you realize that since you're a foreigner here in the USSR, you can be arrested at any time? I don't want to marry a man who could be arrested and taken away and never come back at any time. And uh, Sensible response. And apparently, uh, according now, the, the historic diary we could argue about and whatever else, but the fact is, according to even the historic diary, I think he started to slide downhill a little bit about his uh, views on some of the Russian people at that point. Uh, because uh, Ella had really broken his heart, in truth. And um, you can It's interesting, can find... because even the Wikipedia entry notes that in, in January of 61, he began to reconsider his desire to stay. So, uh, oh, but there they you go. neglect to mention the fact that he had just been turned down. Ah, see, there you go. That That's what coincides with it. Interesting. See, w- Wikipedia well, okay. is one of those odd sources on Oswald you have to sort of, again, be careful with. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, on that note, let's take another short break, and we'll be back to wrap things up with Charles Ocelli, a.k.a. the Blind JFK Researcher, right after this. Here we are in the final moments of tonight's episode of Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. Once again, I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and we have been talking to the blind JFK researcher, a.k.a. Charles Ocelli, and he can be found once again at YouTube.com slash BlindJFK. And just as a reminder, if people have uh, interest in, uh, or questions about specific aspects of the JFK assassination, uh, he is happy to take questions and uh, and field them as appropriate and as possible on his YouTube channel. So once again, you can use that as a resource, and I hope people will. He's got hours and hours and hours of videos up dealing with a lot of different subjects related to the JFK assassination, including, of course, tonight's topic of conversation, Lee Harvey Oswald. So, um, Charles, I'm not sure if there's a convenient way to wrap up a conversation like this, but anything else you'd like to touch on tonight? Well, let's give it a shot. Uh, One thing that I've heard referenced on, uh, because I've taken the time to uh, go through your archives, of course, um, and listen to probably every JFK-related show you've done. Uh, One of the things that I had a a great deal of uh, respect for you uh, for was your work on the Patriot mythology and uh, and the fact that uh, the odd uh, sort of idea that the printing of the silver certificates... uh, is one of the things that uh, motivated Kennedy's murder. Well, you know, I, I was really uh, impressed by that, and uh, I've, I've really watched your uh, your viewpoint on this on this particular subject evolve publicly, and uh, I'm really uh, grateful to uh, be part of that. 
Okay. Absolutely. Well, uh, let me just state again for the record, I'm open to, to be swayed on any issue, but uh, I will follow where the facts lead. Okay. Another interesting thing that uh, that has come up uh, on your program a few times is this entire thing about, uh, you know, J. Edgar Hoover having mentioned that someone was impersonating Oswald while he was in Russia with the car dealership and all that. The only reason why Hoover had taken interest in him at that point was that during this entire trip into uh, into Russia, he, Marguerite Oswald, his mother, had received a letter from uh, a, a man claiming to be part of the Albert Schweitzer uh, College in, uh, I think it was Switzerland. And uh, that, that's not really, it, it, it's not in front of me at this moment, but the fact is that she made the inquiry with the FBI. She said that her son had been over there and he had written a letter to her uh, that that famous one that's cited quite often about uh, you know uh, I will uh, kill a, another american if he takes on a uniform and all this other this sort of uh, vaguely propaganda type thing that he was supposed to have written to her from the hospital um, that whole bit that's how hoover became interested in him in the first place at that point and uh, and that's where his name was triggered and plus there was a, there was a uh, a flash alert on him, just in general, as there would be for anybody who was defecting and threatening to reveal secrets. Um, okay. A couple of uh, interesting places to go. Like I said, that uh, whole thing about the library books, that I uh, saw on uh, Bill Kelly's um, uh, JFK counter-coup blog spot. If you just look up William Kelly, he's a long-time researcher, has done quite a bit of interesting stuff, and is right now trying to uh, look into those... Uh, Air Force One tapes that you might have heard about in the news a, a few weeks or maybe it's a couple months now back uh, that uh, more uh, more tape was found uh, in a collection uh, in uh, what was it uh, Clifton's collection but you can look that up and uh, and check that out um, like I said some of my articles are also appearing in the uh, Deep Politics Quarterly um, which is uh, Walt Brown's thing he's written quite a few books on the assassination as well i think it's five or six plus a couple of uh indexes and uh that master chronology of course absolutely well i'm afraid we're absolutely fresh out of time so we'll have to leave it there but uh, charles ocelli thank you again for your time well thank you so much james i really appreciate uh you having me excellent well i look forward to talking to you again in the future and i'll talk to you all tomorrow night